Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I want to share about the gospel. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And, but what is, what does it mean to believe? What is this faith that saves, that this, we call it saving faith? And I want to discuss uh, a controversy that uh, is there in the body of Christ, uh, on, which we would call Lordship Salvation. And the question is, and the issue at hand is, what does it require on our part to be saved? Now, the Bible's very clear that we're not saved by our works. Ephesians tells us that it's by grace, that's by the operation of God's power, that we are saved through faith. In other words, we receive it through our faith. Faith is our, our hand that receives the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we could say that we are saved by Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, not of our works. And so what is simply required us from us is, is faith. And so we want to discuss what that means. What is this faith? that receives God's salvation. And the controversy is simply this. There is on one side of the camp, people, some would say, that it's faith is simply receiving God's free gift of salvation. It's receiving Jesus as Savior. Uh, the issue of his lordship, the issue of submitting to his authority is a separate issue. We, because if you require uh, if God requires a person to submit to Christ's authority as a condition of salvation, then it's not really a free gift, that's what they would say. And so to protect salvation by grace alone, uh, it's entirely a free gift that we receive. And so if that were true, then it's possible to receive Jesus as your saviour, but not necessarily to receive him as your Lord. That, that perhaps is a decision you make later. On the other side of the issue is those who would believe in what is called Lordship salvation. They would say that it's actually impossible to be saved. You don't have a saving faith unless, as well as receiving Jesus as your Savior, you also receive him as your Lord. In other words, there must be a submission to his authority. That is actually part and parcel of what a saving faith is. They would say, of course, that we're not talking about doing works. That isn't required for salvation. They would say, of course, that if we have submitted to Christ's authority, then when we trust in Christ and submit to Christ, then, of course, our life will change, our because we're changing the foundational principle of our life, then that, that saving faith will result in good works. Um, in theory, I suppose, on the other side of the issue, if you just receive Jesus as Savior, then, uh, although of course you, it would be very ungrateful of you, but in theory you could carry on living the same life that you always lived, as before, uh, and just take God's free gift, and, but don't respond in any way. 
Somebody, again, on the Lordship Salvation side would say, no, that is not real salvation at all. They have not received Jesus as their Lord. They do not have a saving faith. And the fact that their life hasn't changed at all only proves that they don't have a saving faith. And so this is a very important issue. What does it mean to have a, a saving faith? Can you believe in Jesus as Savior separate from believing him as Lord? That's the issue that we want to look at. And really it goes down to the definition of faith. Um, some people on, on the one side would say, look, all faith is is, is believing that Jesus is, is, is God. The very facts of the gospel believing that Christ is is God, that he became a man, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the dead, and uh, I believe in that, I accept that as true. I'm fully persuaded that that is true, and they would consider that to be saving faith. I have to say I disagree with that, because even the devil believes. The demons believe that. That is intellectual assent. That is only one component of faith. I would describe faith by the, the, the mononym of uh, CAT, K-A-T. Number one, you need knowledge. Yes, you need to know who Christ is. He's the God-man. You need to know he died on the, on the cross for your sins. And he rose from the dead on the third day. You need to have that knowledge. But that knowledge by itself does not save you. Because faith is more than just believing in facts. It's actually trusting in a person. It's commitment to a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. The, the A in cat is assent or approval. This is more the emotional area. So faith involves your whole being, your mind. You've got to ex, um, know the facts of the gospel, but also you embrace them in your emotions. You accept them. You, you approve of them. That's the A. You, you, have a, you want to, uh, to receive what God has for you. You are God positive in your emotions. That's the A. And then the, the next one is T, and that's the key. T stands for trust. And saving faith includes trust. When, in fact, the, the Greek word, pistis, when it talks about believe, believe in Christ, you know, in our English language, we can think that believe simply means believe that he existed and, or even that he's the Son of God. But the Greek word includes the idea of trust. A saving faith involves trust. That means your will is involved. You are putting your trust in a person. You're trusting in Christ for your salvation, for your forgiveness, for your eternal life. And I would also add, and just to develop that idea of trust, I would also add the idea of S, cats, because S stands for submission or surrender. Yes, if you are accepting Jesus Christ, the fact of the matter is, he is Lord, he is God. And to, and to receive Christ, you necessarily have to bow your will to him. You have to submit to him. You have to surrender to him as your Lord. Or you truly have not received Christ as he is. He is Lord. He is God. And so a saving faith is to trust and to surrender to his authority. You have to see Christ 
as he is, not just as Saviour, but also as Lord. And you have to receive him as that. And that's what I want to show. I want to tell a story to understand why this is, why it has to be this way. Imagine that there was a kingdom and a very wonderful king. And he had his son and it was a wonderful, prosperous kingdom. Everything was at peace. But a, a rebellion uh, grew up on, around someone who wanted to be king instead. And he managed to persuade many people to follow him. And there was this terrible rebellion and terrible warfare going on. And this king was a good king. And he wanted to, and he was a strong king. And he had the power to destroy these rebels. But he didn't want to destroy them. He wanted to save as many of them as possible. And so he decided to, to send out some good news throughout the realm. And he said, if you will surrender, if you will come to me and come to my palace and accept me as your king, uh, I will forgive your rebellion. I'll forgive your past. I'll give you a brand new start. You can be citizens of my kingdom again. And the good news goes out to all the realm. And many reject the king's idea. They don't even believe that he's telling the truth. And they, stay in, they want to stay in their rebellion. They want to do it their way rather than the king's way. But many also hear the good news. They, they, they realize that being rebels isn't working for them. That things could be so much better and so they believe that invitation that good news and they come to the king and they come into his presence and say I want to receive I take you at your word I put my trust in you that you will forgive me and give make me a citizen in your kingdom and that is a picture of salvation of course now, what would you think if that person said, I'll accept your free gift of salvation and forgiveness. The only thing is I'm going to go out again and be a rebel again. I don't accept you as my king, but I'll accept your free offer of forgiveness, your free pardon, but I want to carry on in my same life as before. Of course, that would be nonsense, wouldn't it? Because very much in the very understanding, in the terms of the offer of that free gift of salvation, is the idea that the person who receives that free gift actually repents of the original sin of rebellion and actually comes and bows to the king and accepts the king's authority and the king's right, declaring that he is Lord. And that's why salvation actually to receive salvation requires a submission to God's authority. We can understand this when we look at the original sin. The original sin in the Garden of Eden. You know that God gave man an, o a, a, an offer, uh, an alternative. Man had to make a choice. He gave him free will. And he made the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they represented two ways man can live. The tree of life is, represents man living by faith, man depending on God, trusting in God's life. That man realizes he's not God himself, he's a creature that lives depending on God's life all the time, living by faith. But the alternative way of living, 
that he could choose is to say, no, I don't want to have to depend on God to submit to God. I want to have my freedom to do whatever I want. I want to have to operate out of the knowledge of good and evil myself. I want to have it all in myself so I can make my own choice. I want to be my own God. I don't want to submit to God. I want to be my own God. I want my independence. And that is rebellion against God's authority. And the original sin that got us all in the mess in the first place was actually Adam's choice to say, I want to be my own God. I want to live my own way. I want the knowledge of good and evil in myself. I want to be the one who decides what is right and what is wrong. And that was the original sin. We could call it pride, we could, but it was actually a, a rejection of living by faith, by, of submitting to God's authority and living out of a dependence on God. And so, when the offer of salvation goes out, God actually says to mankind, I've paid the price on the cross for your sins. I offer you forgiveness and eternal life. The only thing is, you have to repent. Repent is uh, a key word here. You have to repent of your rebellion against me. You have to repent of your rejection of my right to rule over you. Or in other words, you have to submit yourself to me. You have to surrender yourself to me. That's what it means when we say, Jesus is Lord. We are, we are surrendering to his authority. That's why the Christians were persecuted in the, early, in the Roman times. Because when they were expected to say, Caesar is Lord, not in the sense that we accept Caesar's authority, but Caesar is Lord as in, he's my ultimate authority. And they said, no, only God can be the ultimate authority. And when they said Jesus is Lord, they were saying Jesus is my final, my ultimate authority. He is God. And I worship him and I bow to him and I surrender to him as my God. They, the, the Christian confession, Jesus is Lord, is a declaration that I am submitted to his authority as God and as my God. And that is why uh, Lordship salvation is essentially correct. That to be saved, we have to submit to Jesus as Lord. Now, I think one mistake that's made that takes it too far is, you know, the idea that um, I have to repent of all my sins that I've ever committed before God will accept me. Well, that's impossible. I couldn't possibly remember all my sins in the first place. And it's not that I have to repent of all my sins. The issue is that I need to repent of my of of the sin principle, the principle of going my own way and being my own God, that in principle now I, I accept Jesus as my Lord. Now it's going to take the rest of my life to work this out, to, to learn what that means, but in principle I accept Jesus as Lord. I, to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven I have to accept the king. And it may take me a bit of time to kind of learn what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Uh, and so I don't have to live a perfect life uh, or achieve perfection because that would be salvation by works. But there must be a heart submission to Jesus. In other words, I must accept Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. And so when we share the gospel with people, we must be very careful that we do that. 
That's what, this explains, you see, why in the gospel offers in the Bible, sometimes it says we, you just have to believe in, the, in Christ, believe in Jesus. He who believes in me has eternal life. Sometimes it uses the word repent. Repent and then you'll be saved. And then sometimes it says repent and believe. So which is it? The only way we can reconcile all these scriptures is that these are the two, two sides of the same coin. Not two separate conditions, but two sides of the same condition. In other words, to believe is also involves a repentance. In other words, if I put my trust in Christ and surrender to him and his lordship, then at the same time, of course, I am repenting from saying I am the lord of my own life. I'm the boss of my own life. And so a saving faith involves a repentance. Not that you've repented of all the sins you've ever committed, which is psychologically impossible, but that you are repenting of that sin principle. And then by God's grace, you learn to overcome sin in your life. And so that's uh, our basic idea here, that yes, indeed, it says that we are to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. The gospel call to faith presupposes that sinners must repent of their sin, of their rejection of his lordship, and they must receive him as saviour. Both are necessary, both go together. We receive him as saviour, but we also receive him as lord. A sinner who tries to accept salvation and forgiveness, because that's a good deal, but without yielding to his lordship in any way, um, has not really received salvation. True faith involves a surrender to God. And that's so important to understand. Um, a wonderful picture of salvation is Thomas. In John 20, 26, it says, After eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Now see his response there. My Lord and my God. First of all, he realizes that Jesus is God. Now, if Jesus was not really God, then Jesus should have rebuked Thomas right then and say, oh, you should only worship God. But Jesus accepted his worship. My God. But notice he said, my Lord. Thomas didn't just say, you are Lord, but you are my Lord. In other words, I submit to your authority. And then Jesus says, because of you, you are an example of faith, of saving faith, he says. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who've not seen me and yet have believed. And that word blessed means salvation. You're saved because you have believed in me. So the belief is, involves a submission of lordship. And this is confirmed in the next verses. It says, Truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these were written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Notice it says that believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, is a belief in his person, that he is God. And uh, 
whenever Jesus claimed to be son of God, the, the Jewish leaders tried to stone him for blasphemy because they understood he was claiming equality with God. But notice it says, through believing you may have life in his name. It says that the signs in the gospel were, were written that you might have saving faith. And through believing you receive the life, you receive salvation. And Thomas is given as an example of saving faith, the kind of faith that causes you to say, my Lord and my God. Saving faith that receives eternal life, therefore, involves a submission to the Lordship of Christ. Romans 10 agrees. It says, this is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or in other words, that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you have a saving faith the evidence of that is, is that in your heart and in your mouth you confess Jesus as Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you've got to believe that Jesus died for your sins, he rose from the dead, that he's Lord, and that you confess him as your Lord. Then you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And it goes on to say, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to call on Jesus as Lord. And that actually means that he's God, and therefore he is the final authority over your life. You accept him as your God. By the way, that verse is a proof that you must believe in the deity of Jesus Christ to be saved. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. That's a quotation from Joel 2.32, where the Lord is actually Jehovah, God. It says in Joel, all who came, call on the name of Jehovah shall be saved. Then the New Testament takes that and applies it to Jesus, that you are saved through believing in Jesus. So Jesus must be Jehovah, and you are saved through believing in Jesus as Lord, as Jehovah God. And so this is very important, that when we share the gospel, we, we, we cause people to understand that they don't just receive Jesus as their saviour for the forgiveness of their sins, but they receive him as their Lord. Otherwise, um, without that surrender, there is no real saving faith. And if there is a surrender of that person's heart to Christ, they won't suddenly become perfect, but there will be a change in their life if that's real. And so we must be careful before we rush people into a sinner's prayer that they truly understand what they're praying. Colossians 2.6 says, Now, just as you've accepted Christ, Jesus, as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. So, in other words, he says, you accepted Jesus as your Lord, now you need to continue to live that way under his lordship. Acts 16.31 says, believe, oh there it is, just believe, but believe in who? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So faith includes receiving his, him as Lord. Mark 1.15 puts together those two sides. It says, Jesus preached, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So there's two things here, repent and believe. We believe the good news that Jesus is our saviour, he died for our sins. We put our trust in him for our salvation, but we also repent from the original sin that caused all the mess in the first place, the sin of rejecting God's authority over our life 
and going our own way. So we must repent of that we are our own Lord and God and we trust in Jesus as our Lord and our God. That's the repentance that's involved in faith. There, some scriptures talk about repentance as the, the key to salvation. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice the salvation requirement is repent and it's this repentance that I've been talking about which, which necessitates the acceptance of Jesus as Lord. It says in Acts 17.30, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Again describing the gospel, Paul says, testifying to Jews and Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So we repent of our rejection of God's authority over our life. We surrender to him and we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our saviour. 2 Peter says, the Lord's not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So repentance is essential in salvation. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins might be blotted out. Acts 2.47, the Great Commission, Jesus said repentance and remission of sins should be preached in Jesus' name to all nations from Jerusalem. And so again, repentance is connected to remission of sins. The, the repentance, the submission to Jesus' lordship is essential. So genuine repentance which happens when somebody submits to the Lordship of Christ, cannot help but cause a change of behavior. And if somebody's life does not change in any way, we have to ask the question, have they truly understood the gospel, that to respond to the gospel is to actually accept salvation, but also to submit oneself to Christ's Lordship, to his right to rule their life. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. Have you accepted Jesus as your saviour and have you surrendered yourself to him as your Lord? Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth. But we need your help. If you can partner with us or, or pray for us, contribute to us, it will make all the difference to make this possible. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially, and we would be so grateful. It's so important to have a strong foundation of faith established in your heart that Jesus didn't just die for your sins, but your sicknesses, that healing is in the atonement. And in this series of eight messages, this audio series, your faith will be built strongly in the atonement of Christ. This is where I deal with it in the greatest depth. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.